Two movies into one movie leads as we watch Two Saharas. One from 2005, starring Matthew McConaughey and other people. The other one from 1943, starring Humphrey Bogart. All oh, today is there could be only one podcast. Welcome to the Deck and the Only One Podcast, where we watch two movies with the same title that have nothing to do with each other. No remakes, no reboots, no re-anything. They just felt like the other one wasn't popular enough. Well, guess what? You're both the bell of the balls on this podcast, and we're going to pick one winner to keep their name. My name is Robert Rao, and joining me today is... Herman Omega Prime Davis. This one has been on the back burner for some time. Yes, sir. Uh, that, let me... Uh, if. If you do not know how the story came about finding both of these, mind you, another Sahara has popped up in between. There is a kid's film that you can see on Netflix starring a snake, and we could have watched that. But uh, luckily, neither one of us could claim to have seen this movie because I would never uh, – either one of the films because uh, only Herman has read the book for two, the 2005 version – and I had seen everything up to the last 20 minutes. And watching it again today, I do not remember a single scene <laughs> from what happened in it. But, but anyway, the reason it came up is when Ryan Johnson was making The Last Jedi, he was talking about his inspirations for what The Last Jedi was going to be made. And this film popped up, the 1943 Sahara. Okay, I can see the – now since you mentioned I can see the semblance of that um, – because it was like a last stand type of thing, hold off the truth. Hey, we got to talk about it. I'm just saying, you're already making the jump, you're making the thing, you're going to make assumptions. Okay, okay, okay. Sorry to jump the gun. Sorry to jump the gun. Sorry to jump the gun. No, all right. But but when that happened, the 43 version is not readily accessible except at your local library. Yay. And I burnt it. Support your library. I burnt it at least a few months ago, if not six to eight months ago. Yes. And whenever we, we just come with a list of films and, and Herman turns his nose at one, that's usually when, when we start digging into the, uh, the archives, the, the, the TC Boo archives in here to determine if there was a, an existing one that we can uh, – kind of rehash out there and and I, I was curious to see what this movie was so uh we we saved the 43 one for the second film the first one we're going to talk about it mainly because of how this thing even exists from 2005 starring matthew mcconaughey steve zahn and penelope cruz among other people in this film it is called sahara and this yeah. is your trailer for years i've wondered if the stories were true and now I finally have the proof. You found a coin. I found the coin. At the end of the Civil War, a battleship carrying a secret shipment of gold vanished without a trace. Where in the hell did you get this? On the Niger River. In Africa. You got 72 hours. I'll meet you at the boat. Nope. I got the check. Sit down, I'll get the check. For explorer Dirk Pitt and his team. This is the place. Should be here. I have to warn you, it is very dangerous for foreigners. It was a ghost ship, a cursed ship. The mystery that's buried with a long forgotten legend carries a threat. This thing could kill millions. No one could have imagined. And we're back, everybody. 
<laughs> Just wait for you to say something. Yeah, yeah, I know. I got lost. Directed by Breck Eisner. Do you know what else he has directed? Brett Eisner? Um, yeah. He is Rush no, Hour? The, the crazies. That's Brett Ratner, <laughs> okay. so no. Uh, the Last Witch Hunter, the the one with Vin Diesel. And, Never watched and, it. Yeah, Never he's... Watched. He, if if Sahara is listed on the second of things that he's directed, he's directed eleven things on here. Most of it's TV show stuff. Like mm-hmm. he did the Expanse. He did Beyond. The, uh, there's a TV movie called Beyond. There's Thought Crimes, another TV movie. He didn't have any sort of real credits. He had um, he did a uh, in the Invisible Man TV series. He did an episode on that. That was a good series. He I did a, he did an episode on the miniseries Taken. He did a TV movie called Thought Crimes, and then he got handed a $130 million movie with Matthew McConaughey, Steve Zahn, and Penelope Cruz. This is based on a series of books that Herman is very familiar with. How many of the books have you read? Well, I was looking over the list of it, including this book. I read about six of them. (laughs) So impressive. Out of how many? Out of 24. That's so close to being impressive. It is yes. not impressive anymore. Well, how many books have you read of this series? Yeah, but I don't go around bragging like I've read this <laughs> book series. Well, I did not realize it was that many books. And I st- the last book I actually read was back in like 2010. And since 2010, he has released four more books with the help of his son, who he, his, his son's name is Dirk. Oh, oh, he, yeah. oh, really? Did yeah. he name the character after his son or the vice he, versa? He named the character after his son. What, when, when he started this, his son was not alive or was no. he alive? His son was born in 1961, and the first Dirk Pick novel was uh, actually written in 1973. Aha! Yes. So he named the character after his son. Yeah. By deductive reasoning, we have determined this. <laughs> All right, so this movie, uh, you could tell uh, that this was going to be not only just a franchise, but they they built it on the same vein as like an Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. And when you put a film franchise, I'm somehow doing Bill Cosby now, in the <laughs> shadow of a better film, and you deviate from it, because it's what the book says, there's various and obvious points that make the film that you're basing this on so much better than the than the one we watch. So Matthew McConaughey stars. His name is Dirk Pitt, right? Yes, is that Dirk it? Pitt? He is a guy that works for an admiral, played by William H Macy. They go around finding stuff. They, the, the motivations behind everything they just seem to be a ragtag bunch of people that could easily have been followed by a reality film crew at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, like you have your deadliest catches. This is uh, similar, except they go to uncharted areas of the world to find hidden treasures in, in the ground. And uh, we're led to believe that the Holy Grail for Matthew McConaughey's character, Dirk Pitt, is this boat from Civil War that's filled with Confederacy doubloons that yes. are worth millions of dollars, but he says it's all the way in Africa. Africa. Yeah. So him, uh, Steve Zahn, who's his best friend and wisecracking partner, who could have easily been played by somebody different. <laughs> he is incredibly... I would have liked a Luis Guzman. I know it's not type <laughs> for whatever you were reading on there, well, the but, ca- but somebody, somebody not... I, I guess... You could tell maybe that they were like special forces at well, some point, but c- clearly let themselves go. The character That's- in the book is described as 
uh, swarty Italian with black curly hair and a bushy mustache. That is Luis Guzman. <laughs> yes. If I have ever, maybe maybe it's just because I think I'm thinking like the Count of Monte Cristo. Uh-huh. That, that seems like more of an appropriate character for him. And you also have Penelope Cruz, who is working for the World Health Organization. Yes, you got that right. She is also Ooh. in Africa, uh, uh, trying to find out why everybody's dying from this plague that exists around there. So, you have your players. You have uh, the event that's going to set everything in motion. And the uh, movie starts. So, it, it uh, immediately uh, decides that the important thing in this movie is not finding this Civil War ship called the Texas. It's more trying to save Penelope Cruz because she's in trouble and she's hot. So, let's, go, let's go save her. This might have been her first... English speaking role was she in anything else before this where she spoke English as opposed to Spanish? You see, two thousand five. Uh, when did Blow come out with Johnny Depp? Uh, I think that was kind of close to this era. Uh, Vanilla Sky. Uh, I didn't know if you had on the ready if you were no, going to see anything. That's why I'm stalling for time <laughs> while you look it up. You was know. She, oh wow, she is in Vanilla Sky. Yeah. So they needed well, they think, needed a vocal coach you for think her. I need, I she was in Sky. No, I didn't. Well, I don't. I haven't seen Vanilla Sky in forever, so I, yeah. I don't know these things. Okay. No, she's definitely been in a series of movies, but it's you brought up the fact that she needed a vocal coach. Yeah, dialect coach and a hairstylist that they paid a quarter million for for she both was in of them. Gothica. She's been in a, a, a series of films before they even got to Sahara. Yeah. That's so strange, for them to decide that she now needs a vocal coach. During this entire thing. I think, to go back to what you said, how they got an unknown director for this film to direct a big budget. The more I read into this thing, it sounds like they was just uh, funneling money and they just wanted people who wasn't going to ask too many questions about how big budget work. And it sound, I mean, $130 million and what, what I read on what they spent some of this stuff on, sounds like it was just laundering money, you know, uh. allegedly, allegedly. Okay. Yeah. Usually, you don't uh, bring out the books. That's one of the things that they, they yeah, they're they're very hush hush about the books that are brought out. Uh, we did not see the 130 million on screen. This is 2005, 130 million dollars, mm-hmm. and you don't have a ton of movies that cost more that aren't like a superhero film now. That like today, there's no way this film would have been made because mm-hmm. <laughs> this is not uh, a, like Disney's the only one that would do it. And it's not really based on an existing property that people are familiar with. Book series usually get a lot less of a budget. This I'm, I'm imagining like something around like a sixty to seventy-five million dollar budget as opposed to one thirty. To be fair, if you're messing around with the desert, the budget could easily have ballooned further than they expected. Uh, where you have the infamous films like Ishtar that were originally was supposed to cost like twenty million and ballooned up to like fifty five million. Like in an ungodly amount for the film that they made. Is that because of the unpleasant sur- uh, terrain and you never know what's gonna happen out in the desert? Like the- It's the unexpected consequences of filming, like uh, trying to figure out certain things to happen. And they definitely had those moments where you had to deal with the elements since they didn't do a lot of uh, like they didn't replace the Sahara with something else. They mm-hmm. just they filmed out there and be damned the elements. They didn't. They. I don't. Nothing about it made it look like that they were. Um, su- like you could tell, like normal sun or uh, exposure suffering that you would see. Especially Matthew McConaughey. The more <laughs> the more he went, the 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 darker he got. He almost got. It, it, it looked like in some scenes he had like eyeliner. You could tell he they had a very Errol Flynn trying to look uh, going uh-huh. for him. 
He uh, he was still with the. I, I don't. You don't see him very often. Not without that long sort of. Um, I don't know the best way to describe his hair. It's more. It's sort of like uh, not a mullet, but yeah, it's yeah. It, it's a mullet ish. But he, but it's the, the party's everywhere as opposed to just in the back. Uh, it's that same sort of hair that he's doing. Oh, he really Steve, tried. Steve Zahn is just his hair's everywhere. He, he, I don't think he bothers combing or doing anything with it. But, but as you pointed out, Penelope Cruz spent a quarter million on her hair, and you could tell. Like there were scenes that they were like, we got to make sure her hair looks great. <laughs> Even the final scene when they're out in the ocean uh-huh. and they're like celebrating everything. And, and she's wearing that bonnet so her hair doesn't get messed up, you know? Yeah, of course. That ugly, like like she's a, a diver in the 1930s sort of bonnet that she's wearing. Yeah, Man, quarter million dollars. You want to see that money's worth. But uh, right. Matthew McConaughey went all out in this movie because I guess it was like his first big, big budget film. And uh, he tried to perform all all of his stunts, but uh, oh, you know the, the insurance company wouldn't allow him. Like that jump from uh, one scene, he jumped from one speeding boat to another boat. Mm-hmm. He actually did that jump, but the jump from when they jumped from the camel to the train, uh, none of them did that jump. It was the uh, the camel trainer that actually did the jump for all of them. Right. So it's like uh, he really tried to try to go all out in this movie, and um, it it didn't fail because of him. I think it failed because. The book and his movie are completely, not completely two different works, but they let out a lot of things. Like the plane that crash that they cut out. They spent $25 million on the plane crash that they cut from the scene right. because they did not want to um, they didn't want to cut their the sponsor scenes. Was actually Amelia Earhart playing that crash? They was trying to. They was going to try to say that Amelia Earhart crashed in the Sahara Desert. Oh Jesus! Everything happened in the Sahara. She, yes, she was closer to no. That's no. what they was trying to say. And then like they came across this plane. So like you, you come across a plane in the desert, and there's no reason on why the plane is in the desert. They just take the plane and just dismantle it. Looking at what he made around the time, uh, this, this film is uh, uh, sticks out like a sore thumb. He was doing various. Uh, uh, romantic comedies. Of course. Uh, before this, the three films that he had, it was How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, Tiptoes, mm-hmm. and Paparazzi. Then Sahara gets released, and then he's got Two for the Money, Failure to Launch, and We Are Marshall. So he's, uh, it's kind of bouncing around. His low point was Surfer Dude, uh, because that was a film that he put out kind of like himself and it may have not even made like a million dollars. Was that when he really was like, uh, I, I don't want to say he was into drugs but he was heavily medicated and playing the bongs on the beach yes that's that that was that moment that happened uh if you were to say what what film would you would best know him for uh what would you say that is like according to according to what they have on okay i'm gonna give you two my my favorite film that he was in then it's not gonna be it is lincoln (laughs) it's a lincoln lawyer that's my favorite film he was in not a top four and what he was known for is probably what he won the oscar for the dallas buyers club that is what he's known for that's it's like your favorite film is not gonna be the (laughs) dallas buyers club yeah but i will humor and to hear what you you have chosen because there's no way it's dallas buyers club then there's there's magic mike mud and I the like wolf, that. And I the like Wolf that. of Wall Street. Those what? are the four that you would... Really? The Wolf of Wall Street? Where he had like a five-minute cameo? Yeah. Really? That's the one. And he films uh, uh, Dallas Buyers Club at the uh, same time because you could tell he definitely had a lot less weight on him whenever he was uh, filming his scenes with Leonardo DiCaprio. I, thought, I don't know if you noticed that or not. No, I didn't. But I thought True Detective would be up there, too, because I, I still need to watch that show and everybody keep telling me, go watch it, go watch it. No, it's no. not. Sorry. No. But uh, the film itself is called Sahara. Mm-hmm. It, it gives no hint to you 
that this is uh, based on a, a book series. No. Unless you are familiar with the book series, why would you think they would steer away from people knowing that this was based on a book instead of steering directly into it and calling this like a Dirk Pit or, uh, adventure, like Dirk uh, Terp Pick Avengers they, uh, Sahara. That's something. what they should have did. They actually, in the opening credits, they actually mentioned that it's a Dirk Pick story mm-hmm. and stuff. And in the book, they mentioned Sahara in the book a lot. In this movie, I dare to say they haven't mentioned Sahara one time in this movie. I don't no, think they actually they mentioned, they mentioned the ship a lot more. They mm-hmm. mentioned the, uh, the, 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 if I was going to go for a goofy title that's not meant for a $130 million uh, movie, I would have put Toxic Waters yeah. as maybe because you have, you have not only the actual thing that occurs in this movie, but the, uh, the, the trials and tribulations that occurred on this. Uh, the other problem, and it's something that uh, you could tell when you watch a good movie from a bad movie, is they decide to put all the peril on the bad guys. Like, you have a huge-ass desert that swallows up millions of people over its entire lifespan, mm-hmm. and these guys are, like, lip-bombing it up. <laughs> that, that's that, like, that is never a concern to them, like, uh, running out of supplies, dealing with the elements, mm-hmm. uh, running into problems that way. They're just like, what's this, a solar power thing? Let's go see what's going on inside. And they and and it jumps jump cuts. The other big problem, and you can tell from a first time director, this guy was done. Whenever he, he, whenever they were trying to do a denouement after everything was finished, he was like, "Oh, we'll just kind of like do an Animal House exit for everybody <laughs> that's in this and say what happened to him." Because there were there were a couple of bad guys in this. One of them was the Merovingian from the Matrix Returns. Mm-hmm. The other one uh, has been in The Walking Dead. I assume he's still alive, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. He's also in Snatch. He plays one of the jewelry guys, but you have not seen that film. No, have I have not. Yeah, but have you seen The Walking Dead? He's Yo, the, yeah, yeah, I know who he the, is in Walking Dead. Yeah, he's the father that's, I assume they're still alive. Uh, the son did. I have not, uh, wa- yeah, he died several seasons ago. Yeah. But I, I've stopped watching uh, for at least two or three seasons, so I'm not familiar with who's I alive. I still read a graphic novel, but I don't read the, okay. I don't really watch the series But it's not, it's not the same mm. group of people. But they, yeah. uh, w- one of them they kill with a cannonball from the, the Civil War period, but then there was that leftover bad guy that they had. Uh, so they get Delroy Lindo, who, who appeared briefly in, in one of the scenes, like a decent named actor, where I, I recognize him immediately. Mm-hmm. And they kind of give him a cameo later on. Like, they establish him for about four minutes in a scene where it's like, hey, I need your help on something. He's like, ah, I don't do that sort of stuff. And instead, he poisons him with water. and Or you're assumed to believe he gets poisoned with the water yeah. that is in the well. Does uh, it, is that the label on the on the drink or something? Is that yeah, why? I, th- I think that's what they did. Gave him the same water that he was uh, toxic. And, uh, then why wasn't know. it green with ooze? I don't know. But that's another thing about this movie. Like, they had a big scene where him and J- William A. Macy character, you know, basically bought it for him to do a, a favor for William A. Macy. Right. And they never showed what the favor he did. There's a lot about this movie that's uh, that you feel like it's uh, got, uh, got on the cutting room flow. Yeah, maybe they just felt like this was a three-hour film and realized that this is not a three-hour film mm-hmm. when they were doing this and decided to cut it down to two. And when you have a big-time action film like this, it's tough to cut something down to two and make it watchable. And this might not be on the fault of the director. This could easily be an editor problem. You're never sure about these sort of things. Well, By the way, this film came out the same year that The Office premiered. Rain Wilson is in this, and uh, 
So, so at the time, he had not done too much. I remember he's in like House of a Thousand Corpses. That was like a big film for him. He was in tons of commercials. Like that was when I saw that he was Dwight. That was one of those uh, things that kind of pumped up. It was like, oh yeah, that dude sort of thing. And he seems to be in a couple other. Oh yeah, he was in Galaxy Quest. I forgot about that. He was. Well, he yeah, he's, he plays. Quest. He's just one of the aliens. He won of one of the red shirts. Yes, one of the red shirts. <laughs> but he's, he's in Badass. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> but he's not in much. He he uh, he's just kind of like a supporting role until he uh, blew up as Dwight. But go ahead with what you were saying. No, I was gonna say like I think the problem with this is like I, the books I've read from uh, the Dirt Pick series are very um, it long. Feels like we need to say Dirk Diggler every time <laughs> because his name's Dirk, right? Yeah, it's very long and very uh, very detailed. Like he, the author goes into a lot of detail on a lot of things, and that's why I don't think his books cross over to movies too well because even though this movie was two hours and a half long they left out a lot of things that that would have helped this movie out and i don't know if they would have caused the movie to be longer or i think they actually put things in the movie that did not need to be in the movie right this might be a a, a problem with the producer or the person that did the editing or when it comes to the actual product itself because well uh, the reason i say this because you don't want fans of the book to be your main draw by not naming it after the series of books, even though they say it right in the opening credits. So it's not saying that it's based on anything. Like, I didn't know it was based on anything until you told me. So they, mm-hmm. they leave all that out there. So you're just buying the property and the story. So why don't you just do whatever the hell you want with it and make it a better movie? That's that's what bothered me the most about this. Like, they had an opening scene where you're supposed to tell, like, that's the that's uh, the ship that sinks in the, uh, the African whatever. They should have established the character. Give eight million bucks to Matthew McConaughey. Mm-hmm. You don't let him show up. Not in the opening scene. You treat it like Indiana Jones. Give him a small mission that he fucks up, and now he's in hot water with the admiral. Like you need to get that uh, dynamic started with these guys. Tell you, you got to tell him why you have Steve Zahn hanging around him the whole time. You know, you need that that sort of thing to get them. Going on this uh, uh, this certain thing, like what's how's he going to make this up? Well, I found out about this ship that has all these like. All right, well, you got three days to make this up, or don't ever show your face around this ship again, whatever it does, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Like they even at the end were like hinting like other movies were going to happen after this, like oh we're going to go on other adventures, and none of that's going to happen now because of what happened with this franchise. Who was it that greenlit this thing and then just shit the bed? That's what I'm trying to find out about this movie. Uh, a lot of people that's not going to take the blame. Answer me, Herman! It's not, they're not going to take the blame. They're going to take the $130 million that they only spent probably $40 million on this film and pocket the rest and stuff. This is what's irritating. More than anything, it's not It's not the film isn't bad. Like, you could watch it in the background, or like I watched it, which was on a plane, <laughs> and uh-huh. completely forget about it. It's very much like what happened with Jack Reacher. Like, uh, when they started that whole franchise up, I don't remember anything about that movie. I just remember I had a decent time, and I left. That's it. But there was so much... That was uh, that I'm going to remember about this movie now because I'm watching it more with a critical eye and noticing how they could have easily fixed this film. And you put that much money into it and you screw the pooch so much. It is not anybody else's fault except the people in charge of this movie. The actors and actresses did fine. It's not their problem. In fact, if you have Matthew McConaughey wanting to do all of his own stunts, put more movies with him in it. Make him the star of something. But don't. Give him a subpar project when he's giving you 110%. Here's my thing about it. Especially, I watch a lot of 
movies that's based on books because I'm, I'm that person that read a lot of books and happened to watch the movies. This book had 541 pages, depending on if you bought the paperback or the hardback, co- hardback cover. Large Five, print read where it had like yeah, two yeah. words a page. Yeah. Sure. Go. 541 pages of work. It's not that it, the book was a hit. The book was a bestseller. It's not that much you got to change. Like the best, my, for example, The Color Purple. I read the book and I watched the movie. The Color Purple, <laughs> no, okay, The Color Purple book was so good. How many, they how many, took, how they many took, words in the series for The Color Purple? Was it like you. 24 books? I could, no, no, one book. But no, they took us, they, they, they actually took things out The Color Purple, and, but, let, but basically watching the movie is like reading the book, uh-huh. basically. They only, took, they only changed one thing, which at that time was controversial, I guess, was, you know, um, a lesbian um, love angle. In right, the book, but, but would, you know. would you agree that The Color Purple was intended to, like when it was made, to be made into a better film, like a more critically acclaimed movie than what we watch today. Yes, but, okay, I'm, okay. but that's because, I'm, just, I'm only I'm, saying I'm just, that because they kept the material the same. They did not, <laughs> they, nobody came in and be like, oh, Alice, we know you wrote a good right, book, but, but we're going to change the story. But I don't, I, don't think, I don't think The Adventures of Dirk Pitt had any <laughs> chance of winning an Oscar. I'm just saying it could have been made into a decent action film. Okay. And it really felt like, they cut corners because they set uh, limits on whoever was in charge and just decided to cut the funds for everything. Okay, I'm, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm, we're going to leave it alone and wrap it up. But I would say this is the same thing as uh, Tom Clancy. Um, I forgot the Hunt, the Hunt for Brad. What's the, what's the title character name? Oh, uh, uh, yeah, Jack Ryan. Because Jack, they got that old series coming out on, on, like, on uh, Prime. And, so. when you, and I read those books in like same number, same number um, of detail, same, same attention to detail as Clive Cluster was. They didn't mess up the Hunt for Real October. They didn't mess up the Patriot or the Clear and Present Danger. Why they didn't keep it to that same model? It's not that they didn't keep it, what, what for Sahara? Yeah. Well, they definitely had more budget for this. And you could tell that, at least the way Clancy writes, it doesn't have too many action scenes in it. It has an event that falls out. And I wouldn't put this in the same ballpark because you're not, they're, not, they're not going after a MacGuffin. In, in any of the Clancy novels, you're, you're watching the progression of a guy that he's building a character towards, sort of thing. And okay. they're giving him government situations. So it's a different type of model. This is, this is more, and th- this is also the infuriating part about this, is you only have one guy going for the MacGuffin, like that, that whole treasure thing. The other guys were just spilling out toxic waste, and they could give a fuck about anything else. Like, it's millions you have it set up to where it's millions and millions of dollars, and they're still okay with just, like, being evil. Like, the bad guys were out of a Captain Planet episode, is what they were doing. Mm-hmm. They were just, like, boo-ha-ha-ha, evil sort of thing. You don't need that for this kind of movie. You, th- this movie is, you're dealing with the perils and adventures. It's, it's one of the strange, it's the thing that's very hard to duplicate, but they tried to with Indiana Jones, where people will say, at least with Raiders of the Lost Ark, he didn't even need to be there. Like, he's just a guy, and he messes up occasionally. Mm-hmm. Where you point out everything that happens in Raiders, if it happened when he wasn't there, would have exactly ha- happened the exact same way. The Nazis would have gotten the case, they would have opened up, they would have all died, and nobody would have found out about the case okay, anymore. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So, so it isn't like he did anything, and at the end he didn't claim to have anything. Or this one, they wanted to give the ultimate happy ending. Not only did they find the gold afterwards, but they give it to the war-torn people 
of Africa. Like, oh, geez. When I saw that, I rolled my eyes. Like, dude, yeah. why do you even do this? Yeah, you do- yeah. How, uh, you, how y'all got Confederate coins over here away in Morocco, Did huh? you give them a smelting plant yeah, <laughs> so they can turn them into bars and it won't be any the wiser? Yeah. You didn't give them a favor. You gave them a chore is what you did, Matthew. Ugh. This movie is. I think I'm. I'm putting a lot of it, uh, my anger from like mile twenty two from seeing that <laughs> onto this film because I feel about the same way. Like it's not necessarily a bad film, uh-huh. but because of how disappointing these films are, they could have been so much better, and it just doesn't work. And, I, and that makes it even more infuriating. I like. I don't know what you put mile twenty two. Like oh, a list of films. When I it, do my letterbox, then it's probably gonna be my like almost to the last. <laughs> I gave it a half star. Like I was so angry at watching. It's like yeah. you fucked this up. Yeah. And I feel the same way about this movie. I was like, Jesus, did you fuck this movie up? It's so much easier to make bad, mediocre films than trying. If you have it, uh, I'm and gonna it, stop. I'm gonna stop. We're at 30 minutes. I've already complained okay. way too much. You know, one thing about my we might as well. We might as well talk about a good film now. You ever notice? I, I, I was watching this thing like Mark Wahlberg used to be a big action star. Used yeah. to be a big office office draw. <laughs> All right, right, right. Okay. We're we're, go we're, we're go going ahead. way too way way. Okay, so do Sahara with uh, Matthew McConaughey? Wait, 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 wait. We're, we're, we'll compare the two. We need to move on to the next. Oh, movie. you just want to move on? Okay, yeah, we're just Damn, moving on. I mean, just, okay, catch we're your breath. Catch your breath. We're on. We're, let's, we're, let's play a trailer. Let's play. I don't think we do, but we'll 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 see. From Columbia comes a picture destined to make screen history: Sahara, epic drama of war in the desert. The unforgettable story of the American tank Lulubel and the men who loved her as if she were a woman. Ten men lost in the desert, men with parched tongues and tortured minds, searching frantically for life-giving water, surrounded by hostile armies, fighting treachery from within. <laughs> We've got to take them with us. We can't leave them here to die. If we ask the men, I'm certain they'd agree. They'd agree now, but what about when they're starving to death and dying of thirst? Why, you put me in command to look ahead. But this is a matter of a man's life. You're wrong, Doc. It's a matter of the lives of ten men. Got a long way to go, and we need every crumb of food and every drop of water. Please take me with you. Don't leave me here to die. I work before you. I don't drink your water. I don't eat your food. Don't live. Here's looking at you, kid. Yeah. So this was uh, one of the propaganda films that was made in the early '40s as a way to pump up everybody to say like we needed to go to war because I don't know if you know this. At the time, we were not keen about going to war again. Like this is 30 years after. Us, us in, yeah, World War, or the Great War, whatever they called it at the time. And uh, there was a lot of people in America who were like, not only that they didn't want to go to war, but there were still a lot of people that were like, yeah, the Nazis aren't that bad sort of thing. Yeah. So you have, you have, um, you have to find a way to get people excited or energized or interested in a, in a war that they know nothing about. And the way they did it, there's a great documentary that talks about this where they, they hired a series of directors to go up onto the front line and make films and use stock footage from World War II to make into propaganda movies to get people all pumped to go see uh, these films and to get people interested in the war. And then Pearl Harbor happened. They're like, oh, okay, now we're definitely going in sort of thing. That's basically <laughs> that – was, that was more what happened. This is one of those propaganda machines that stars – uh, Humphrey Bogart also has an appearance of Lloyd Bridges. He is third build on this film and dies first. So yeah. uh, no no, uh, no need. My, my favorite thing about the credits on this one is the director's name is Zoltan Korda. <laughs> it sounds like a Voltron character or something, like an evil villain or something. 
He's directed 20 movies, and not, and this is not even in his top four that you would know him for. Mm-hmm. And I've not heard any of the of these other ones. But as I found out on this, he made another film called For Love or Money, which is a film from the 90s that Herman has not seen, starring uh, Matt, uh, Michael J. Fox. That was one of those uh, cable specials. I might have seen For Love or Money at least two dozen times. Okay. I've, I've watched it a lot. It's, it, it is a very inoffensive movie. That has a great charismatic star, and it has Gabrielle Anwar, who I think is uh, Smoke City, especially when I was a kid, where I was like, this this girl is the best. Gabrielle who? Anwar. She was in Burn Notice, if you've ever seen that oh, show. Oh, the one. Oh, yeah, yeah. The one. She, she's been in other things. Like, she was uh, she was one of those stars that, that popped out, but, like, in later in the later career, she was on the USA show Burn Notice, which is something maybe your parents watch, and I watched for about four or five seasons because I thought it was cool sort of thing. But uh, this film... <laughs> what do you mean, parents? I watched it a little bit. I, I didn't watch the whole... Did I ever tell yeah. you the story about... I, I was at, at Dragon Con one year, and there were, I, I found two people dressed up as two of the characters, Gabrielle Anwar and Bruce Campbell from Burn Notice. Like, I saw, I, they were definitely dressed up as Burn Notice. You sure that wasn't and, just a regular outfit? And I just went, ooh, Burn Notice! Like, I did that. I was like, I gotta take your picture, because I usually don't geek out about, about anybody's <laughs> pictures. You geeked out over that. Yeah. I, I, so, I totally did. I, they, they had the guns and everything. I was like, you're totally those two people. He's like, yeah, we totally are. I was like, yeah, you are. I was like, that, that was the best, like just running into somebody like that. But this film, getting further and further away once again from whatever I was doing. Yes. <laughs> uh, it takes place in Africa, naturally, because this is also taking place in the Sahara. There was the, uh, the conflicts that were happening before the European stage was to be set. Uh, a lot of African territories were either being taken over by Germans or English or whatever. And in this case, they they basically suppose to you that there are also Americans in here. And uh, they have just gotten their asses handed to them. It is now down to one tank with, that is being driven by Humphrey Bogart and his ragtag bunch of people. In the process of trying to make it back to their camp... They run into other groups of people, including the English, the French, and I did not catch what African country the guy Sudanese. was. Sudanese. Sudanese. They oh, also Sudanese. have an Indian, uh, Indian, Italian, and German prisoner with them as well. They eventually make it to an area where they they are able to find the scantest bit of water, and in the process, they are having to defend this off from other Germans that are trying to take this. So it's basically a waiting game in this film. It's more. What I would hope something like that's called Sahara would do, where the main character is the desert trying to beat them down. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily everybody else. I, I think the war scenes were fine. Like it, it, It's not even that we've definitely improved on war scenes, even for the time. Uh, it, it, the only thing I ask for when I watch war scenes from like the 40s and 50s is, killing. is that they do not involve horses because <laughs> they definitely killed the horses. It's one of those things that when you watch older films that, that, that feature horses and they use those wires to trip them, and I, I can't watch westerns that do that because mm-hmm. I, I was like, damn, that horse is dead. So is that why now all the films nowadays be like no animals are harmed while filming this movie because back yes. then... They they take that very strictly, and and to be fair, a lot of the when you see animals fall down in movies, they're usually CGI anyway, so it's not anything. Well, that's why uh, speaking of horses, one of my favorite HBO series only lasted one year was uh, Luck. 
Oh yeah, where they killed three horses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that that's why that's why they had to cancel it. Yeah, it's like, man, we do not know what we're doing with these horses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're riding them the incorrect way. We must be feeding them what turpentine or something. Is that what? Is that how we're killing them? Yeah. Well, it was actually factual to like real horse races. This stuff actually still happened in horse races. Well, yeah. It, I, I I understand that part. That 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 it's it's a thing that happens when you get older and you get too much knowledge. And you find out that everything that you loved involves the death and torture of something that you also love. And it eats you up inside. And that's something I don't want to get relived everyone when I watch these films. But you don't get that with this one. You get a very uh, great, uh, great performance, as always, from, uh, from Humphrey Bogart. You get great performances from all the other characters. It doesn't feel like anybody's set into a particular stereotype uh, by each one of these there's always something that they're not like there's a ulterior motive that's happening but it's not they don't give their cards away right away you have uh uh i think they deal with death in this a lot better than a, a lot other war films where you you kind of sit with the character for too long and it feels like that you have to grieve over them when someone dies in this movie they die plant a flag let's move on that's basically what happens every time and they and a lot of people are dying in this it, it they want for it to be something that they're trying to make as propaganda, they are definitely not showing like this is going to be fun. This is not going to be fun. <laughs> what we're dealing with is going to be messy. And I, I have to say, this film is definitely one of those ones uh, that I, I wouldn't mind watching again. And f- and probably right up there with Twelve O'clock High for a movie that that got made around the same time as the war was happening, as a film that should be watched. Have you, have you ever seen 12 O'Clock High? Uh, no, a little bit. I haven't watched the whole thing all the way through. I know this, I watched 3 O'Clock High. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's, that's you're, you're three movies away. Sorry, it's not that one. It's got Gregory Peck in it. It's, it's similar in style to the Memphis Belle, if you've ever seen that movie, where it's about bombers. But they, it's a lot slower process. Like, if you've seen the Memphis Belle, they killed, like, half of the crew. Not not just the crew, but half the planes when they went on that bombing run, right? Mm-hmm. You you seen that one? No, you know what I, no, that's what I'm just like, oh. looking at you. <laughs> Damn yeah. it! I thought everybody seen Memphis Bill. It no. has Harry Connick Jr. in it. He sings. He's so adorable. Why hasn't it? <laughs> I thought that was like a guarantee. No, no. There was Why, like just because, just because I'm from New Orleans, Robert. You think all New Orleans got to be together and stick together all the time? It's strange what disappoints me about the movies you see, and I think it's just because. <laughs> <laughs> because you've seen a lot of movies, yes. it, it's just the ones that you've seen a lot of. It, it I would have figured that it would be right in your ballpark. It's not a critically uh, acclaimed film, but it's definitely one that appeared on cable a lot. So what, it's like you, what, you, from what you've told me, you have HBO. You had HBO as a kid. Yes, you sat there and you watched. This is the only way I watched. Well, Robert, I don't kill you because you never seen Dolomite, and that's a critically acclaimed film. I've gotten through about twenty minutes of Dolomite. That is a very hard black exploitation <laughs> film to get through. It is. It is. Uh, it is strain. It, uh, just watching it. I've, yeah. I've seen other ones. Uh, Peter Weisstrom. Yes. Fair, n- not that one. No. <laughs> I, I've seen other ones. Just not that one. Okay. But what was funny is after watching uh, the first Sahara, the 2005 one, it recommended Sneakers, which is another one I watched on cable a whole bunch. And Herman's like, "Yeah, we probably could have watched that because I've never seen that one either." Yeah, and, I haven't. And. And I've had friends where their mom has mentioned that's their favorite movie. It's it's that kind of movie. It's about it's hackers, but they're fun hackers. It's got it's got old uh, actors is mixing with new actors. They do funny things. Oh, sort of I thing. remember when it came out. I just was not interested in watching it. And it has 
the funniest run that you will ever see of Ben Kingsley. I don't know if he ever runs normally. Like uh-huh. it's not as bad as uh, Sean, Con- not not Sean, um, Steven Seagal's run, but but there's a point where Ben Kingsley <laughs> has to run into a room and he kind of trots. He kind he's in a suit and he uh-huh. kind of trots and he does this motion. If I can find it on sneakers, I'm going to show you that run. I don't think that I've ever found it on YouTube. But anyway. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I think I've already given my given my hand, and we usually don't uh, uh, designate films strictly on how good it is, but also because of it's a character, an actual character in this movie. The second one that we watch is Keeping the Name Sahara. Yeah, I mean, definitely, it had more to do about Sahara than the other movie. Like you say, the um, the, it took place solely in Sahara. The other movie took place in parts of uh, the world that didn't don't need to be named. And this movie took place solely in Sahara. It was about the troops not only fighting against the um, the excess of evil, but also fighting against the the weather, the um, the harsh conditions of the desert. It's always funny to see films at that time where we don't learn about like how bad the Nazis were, mm-hmm. but they were already kind of bad. Like, there's a moment in this movie where they uh, they they raise the white flag and they're talking to the group, yeah, and they shoot the French guy in the back. And you're like, ooh, those guys are evil. I, it, it reminds me a lot of watching Last Crusade, and uh, that was the only that was the only thing I knew about Nazis. And they burned books, and I was like, I guess that's bad. And then when I saw Schindler's List, I was like, holy shit, they just took bad to a completely new level that they don't even mention in these movies. Like it, it's it's one of those things that's briefly encountered early on, but when you start learning about the real atrocities, it, it almost makes it quaint. To see how evil they are in this film compared to what they are in real life, sort of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, I enjoyed this this film thoroughly. I, I in fact enjoyed the conclusion a lot in this because I didn't even realize I didn't know what this was going to come to. I felt like it was going to have a Saving Private Ryan ending. I don't know if you felt the same way on this, where uh, you had one guy that was racing to get uh, cavalry to save them. Mm-hmm. So I just figured that there's going to be a shot where Humphrey Bogart is firing at the guys, and then all of a sudden, like, a plane comes over and he starts bombing them or whatever. That that was my guess going into it. But the, the ending is actually so much better than that, and watching what happens at the end. It's one of those things that I was like, well, damn, this movie not only went from being pretty good to being really good. But they, they say it's based on a true story, so I, I wonder if they actually did survive like that. But you got to understand, this is a propaganda film, this... Movie came out while the war was still going on. Yeah, so, forty three. Yeah. So they did not want, you know, a bad ending to have people's spirits down. You watch this movie like if I was alive during this time, I watched this movie and it was like, I'm proud to be American. I'm right, like, but it wasn't let's, squeaky let's, clean. Let's get them done. I thought it was. I thought it did a good job of saying like, you know, there's there's problems with this, and it wasn't yeah. just like a couple of people died. Like a lot of people died in this thing. On the good side, I'm not concerned about the bad side. On okay. This. But I, I would say if, if we are definitely choosing a title for, like, who's going to keep the title, it's going to be the second film. Not only because it's a better movie, and not only because it came first, but they used the environment that the title is based on. We don't get a lot of those movies. Do we, have we done a film based on a location? No, I can't Up think the, so. Um, we never did the Amazon, if there is one. <laughs> Uh-oh. We did the jungle, which is which was a generic term, yeah. And, and both of them took place in a jungle. I guess that's something, but we didn't have anything that was just called after a city or a a location of some kind. Uh, Wasn't it, Daywood? Did we do Daywood? <laughs> the, the TV show? Yeah. What was the one with the with uh, about Bill Hickoff? Wild Bill? 
Oh, well, that was called Wild Bill. Wild Bill, okay. I thought That's it was, not, definitely yeah. not a location. Okay, well, then, I guess not. I've started, I, I don't know if I've told you this, there's a uh, series on YouTube uh, where the guy is covering every Nickelodeon show that's ever been made, and he's starting from, like, the late 70s. He's only made it to 81, and it's been a year. But whenever he covers one of the shows, if it's available, he watches it. So if there's, like, so many of a particular thing, he will watch every single bit of it. Now, a lot of what he's hit up to this point doesn't have a lot available. In fact, a lot of the titles don't exist anymore, which is also a strange thing because this is around the time whenever people were were using uh, VCRs. It just doesn't exist as much as it used to. I'm just curious whenever he gets to Lassie. Because there's like over 500 episodes of that. Is he going to be that dedicated? That's Nick at Night. Well, that's not Nickelodeon. It's still Nickelodeon. And it was not Nick at Night. I watched last. That's on Nickelodeon? It was on oh, okay. Nickelodeon. Okay, okay. okay. We, but, but he's still at least five years away from watching that, that show because he's only on 81 right now. I was, just, I was thinking about special delivery when you say that because I used to watch that. That is, one of, that is one of the shows yeah. that he has featured so far. But it's... But he mentions it was a hodgepodge of stuff, and he didn't know exactly what was on it. He basically put it into four categories, and he watched four things from Special Delivery. Hmm. So that's how he he decided to cover it. Uh, So it's different from – but, yeah, he said that was, like, the longest-running show on there. So he didn't watch everything – from special delivery, it was he, he treated it like a junk drawer. He pulled four things out of a junk drawer, and he watched that mainly because it was tough to tell what they actually used or watched on special. You know, like what they made available on special delivery. But there were there was a TV show that he had on there since the early times. They didn't they had stuff from like Canada or England. Yeah, he you mentioned can't do he that saw television. every. Well, he still hasn't gotten there. Yet. Yeah. Yeah, he, it's a, a lot of the stuff on there is stuff that I knew nothing about. The only show that I've known on there was Pinwheel that he that, that he's done so far. I remember far. that. I remember that. But there's only nine hours available of that, so that that's all he's seen. Hmm. A lot of it is because they use a lot of cartoons that weren't there, so they don't have the rights to it. It's like the same reason why you don't see a ton of MTV stuff out there, because they use a lot of music from their catalog, and that's they don't have the rights to the music, so they can't sell it on DVD sort of thing. Okay. All right, so we killed enough time. Turns out I talked a lot about the first Sahara because I had to get a lot off my chest. We did not talk enough about the second Sahara. I think we talked enough about it. We did. We got the, the well, just... not enough compared to what we talked about well, on the 2005 one. Yeah. All right, so other than telling people that you are going to be, because it'll it'll feature right now, uh, in, in a couple of weeks that you're going to be at Trivial Objections, you're, it, it's just good to tell them that it happens at Phil Brady's every once in a while, right, right on Tuesdays? Yeah, Tuesdays, uh he just needs to find oh, that dude. night where he has uh, Buck Burgers again. But uh, this time it's going to be at 7 o'clock. So oh. He's moving it up a little bit in time. Okay. Yes. Well, that might help. Yeah. I doubt it. But nah. we'll see. Yeah. So I'll be there. But we didn't we didn't rename the, uh, the Matthew McConaughey movie. You want to call it Toxic Waters? That was the, what I or, – or, or Dirk was, Pick Adventures? You were close. I was going to say Dirk Pitfalls. Oh, all right, fine, you win. It's a pun. <laughs> it's a pun and it's a shitty movie. Okay, yes. that's fine. For another That Can Be Only One podcast, my name is Robert Rao. Herman Omega Prime Davis. Good night, everybody. Pay attention to him on Facebook. No, Go to Facebook. I really don't. Hit that Facebook, hit that Instagram, hit that Twitter, hit everything that you can find to get that man's stuff. You can probably hit our stuff too on that. I don't know. Yeah, we probably, uh, I gotta grab my phone. Probably gotta, need to get like a, probably need to get like a design or something going on. I don't know. There can be only one mascot, or there could be only one 
like icon or some kind of got the cat. Some, the cat. <laughs> yeah, but he won't stay still for a picture. He's gonna attack the camera or something, you know. I mean she, excuse me. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, she is. Knowledge. Yeah. Don't be calling me uh Tom Cat. Yeah, hit that Facebook, hit that Instagram, hit everything else. Go by go by Splendid Afternoon and you're gonna see Robert Rod on the cover acting that would be a nice cover. Robert Rod on the cover of Splendid Afternoon, acting like Mike Honoré. Sure. Yeah. That that that's the plan. <laughs> yeah. I, he probably has some videos up on YouTube, and I can I can just use those. Yeah. But uh, okay. you'll have to go out on Monday to go check me out at uh, I think it's called the Guru. I think that's where it's happening. The Guru. Never heard of this spot. Where is this located at, Robert? That's a good question. I mean, it's off of government. Off of government? Is it used to be the listening shop, the listening room? No, not that place. Okay. This is a different location. Okay. I think it's at the Guru. <laughs> this is me not checking anything about what's happening on Monday. I, uh, they sent the event out on uh, a couple of days ago. I was like, oh, yeah, I got to do that. that. That's basically what it's turned into. Uh, it, is, it is a no-show comedy event. It is at, uh, it's on uh, 1857 Government, which I think is called the Guru. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the Guru. That's what it's called. So that's and where it is. If y'all still listening, and I'll be at It's Trivial. Um, Bill Brady, um, <laughs> government on September fourth. So I don't think this will be published by the time because okay. okay. we haven't gotten another one. Published. Just putting it out there. All right, just putting it out there. I know you are. Okay, you're always putting it out there, man. Yeah, man. Let's get this started.